Schultz and I are doing a tagged team for Money Talk this week. He'll be back tomorrow, and I will be on Back Chat. So you can stay tuned now for the dynamic duo of Danny Giddings and Mike Rouse on Back Chat, talking about the rise in Hong Kong's minimum wage and a new treatment for liver cancer. I'd like to thank uh, producer Yuki Tsang, who came in to save the day today, uh, as well as our regular sound man, Andy Kwok. Having a quick look at the weather, I can see mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches, max temperature around 21 degrees. But right now, it is 18 degrees Celsius and 85% humidity on Money Talk. Uh... The time is now 8.30 and the news with Barry O'Rourke. Hong Kong and the mainland resumes operations on Sunday after a three-year break during the pandemic, when cross-border travel was largely suspended. It'll feature a new service and cover more stations in Guangdong. Alok Jain is the CEO and Managing Director of TransConsult, a company that provides consulting services in transportation. Well, it is still, I would say, a partial resumption. It's a welcome move, obviously, long-awaited. Uh, it's a, it resumes the connection between Guangzhou and Hong Kong, the high-speed network. But obviously, uh, it's still uh, a number of other destinations. I mean, high-speed used to operate more than 50 destinations into mainland China prior to the COVID. And I think those resumptions will also be equally important to attract enough people to use the West Kowloon Station and coming back to Hong Kong from mainland. The U.S. aviation authorities are still trying to find out why a safety messaging system failed, grounding all departing flights for more than an hour early yesterday. There had been irregularities with the system overnight, but the backups should have prevented a total failure. The U.S. Transport Secretary said there was no indication of a cyber attack. A suicide bomb attack outside the Afghan foreign ministry in Kabul has caused heavy casualties. A police spokesman said five civilians were killed, but another Taliban official put the number of dead at 20. The Islamic State group has claimed responsibility for the attack. The BBC's Anbras and Etirajan has this report. The latest incident will be seen as a big security lapse, a daring suicide bombing in a heavily protected zone where there are some foreign embassies are also situated. The Taliban claim to have improved security since storming back to power in August 2021. But the Islamic State militant group has carried out several bombings against the Taliban and on civilian targets over the last year. Republican, the Republican Party in his district has called on the controversial U.S. Representative George Santos to resign immediately. Party leaders in Nassau and New York State said his deceit and fabrications made him a disgrace to the party and the U.S. Congress. Jennifer DeSena, the supervisor of the town of North Hempstead, said Mr. Santos was unfit for office. The lies George Santos told are too numerous to count. He lied to me personally when he sought my endorsement, and while I'm offended and disgusted at his deceit, my true concern is for the residents of the 3rd Congressional District. He has betrayed the public's trust and given insincere, glib, and insulting answers when asked legitimate questions about his finances and his background. A lawyer for the failed cryptocurrency firm FTX says his team has salvaged more than five billion U.S. dollars in assets following the company's spectacular collapse in November. Andrew Dieterich told a U.S. bankruptcy court that efforts to sell other assets with a book value of more than four billion dollars were in hand, but warned the final hit to nine million investors remained unclear. 
A lawmaker from Britain's governing Conservative Party has been suspended after comparing COVID vaccines to the Holocaust and claiming they're causing serious harm. Andrew Bridgen will now sit as an independent MP while a formal investigation into his comments made on social media takes place. Britain's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak condemned the comments. It is utterly unacceptable to make linkages and use language like that, and I'm determined that the scourge of anti-Semitism is eradicated. It has absolutely no place in our society, and I know that the previous few years have been challenging for the Jewish community, and I never want them to experience anything like that ever again. Britain's culture minister has insisted that the famously disputed Parthenon marbles belong in the UK. Michelle Donnellan said they shouldn't be returned to Greece. The BBC's Katie Razzell reports. In recent months, there's been speculation that the museum's chair, the former Chancellor George Osborne, is close to agreeing a deal to send the artworks back to Greece. Michelle Donnellan told me she doesn't support a permanent return. I think sending them back is a, is a, a dangerous road to go down. It's important that we stand up and protect our culture. This would open the gateway to the question of our entire contents of our museums. I mean, this is, this is a, a very slippery slope to go down. The Culture Secretary's comments do leave open the possibility of an Osborne deal if the plan, as some suggest, involves a short-term rotation of the sculptures to Athens in return for other Greek works of art. Ms Donnellan told me the law which prevents permanent return of the works is in the right place and the government has no plans to change that. And finally, Jeff Beck, the influential English guitarist who rose to fame with the Yardbirds in the 1960s before later embarking on a solo career, has died at the age of 78. His family said he died on Tuesday of bacterial meningitis. And we'll have more news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is Mike Rouse. Yeah, good morning, good, morning. good morning, Danny. <laughs> welcome back. In our main topic today, we're looking at the rise in the, mi- the minimum wage to $40 per hour after a four-year freeze. Almost 90,000 workers are expected to get a $2.50 an hour increase from May onwards. But labor unions said the minimum wage should be raised to at least $46 since grassroots workers have struggled to maintain their living standards in the past few years. Meanwhile, employers said the level of increase was acceptable, especially after the city suffered three years of economic hardship. So do you think $40 an hour is fair? How much difference will this make to both workers and employers? Later on in the programme, we'll be looking at a new study on how to reduce, how reduce and remove therapy can help liver cancer patients. You can let us know what you think. Leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call. The number there, 233 Double eight two six six. Joining us on the for the main segment of the discussion, we have a great panel here. We have a unionist, we have a representative of employers, and we have an academic, uh, Lam Chung Shin, lawmaker from the Federation of Hong Kong and Kowloon Labour Unions, uh, Jimmy Kwok, honorary chair of the Federation of Hong Kong Industries, and Rita Lee, associate professor of the Hong Kong Shuyan University's Department of Economics and Finance. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Uh, let's start with uh, Lam Chun Singh. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, Mr. Lam, is $40 enough? Um, yeah, uh, that's a good question. And I think the situation is uh, better than two years ago. And if you just focus on the past two years, if the minimum wages is um, adjusted to $40 per hour, uh, it can catch up the inflation rate for the past two years. 
but uh, the, the main issue is that the government froze the minimum wages two years ago. The existing minimum wages level uh, start at May uh, 2019 at uh, 37.5, uh, but we need to wait until May in this year for the increase of uh, minimum wages level. This means for some of the classwood workers, they do not have salary increase for near uh, four years. Although uh, we face the pandemic situation, but we also have inflation. So it's uh, very difficult for the classwood worker to maintain their purchasing power and living standard. And also, according to the information of statistics department, there's um, around 14,000 workers who still receive the minimum wages level now, they face many difficulties in the past four years. That's the problem. And, and the government always uh, said that the minimum wages level increased by 6.7%, which is higher than the four-year inflation rate, which is uh, uh, around 5.4%. Uh, but is the basic inflation rate, but when you look at the consumer price index A, uh, it increased by 1.8% over the year, just one year. And and for the components of the CPIA uh, in the November 2022, for some of the components, for example, the electricity gas increased by 14%, and the clothing also increased by 5%, right. and the basic food item also increased by 3.1%. So it's very difficult. Uh, and, and I think, but but overall, the situation is better than two years before, at least, right. we have uh, increased. Put, putting all this detail aside, what do you think would be a fair rate? Um, and, of course, a uh, uh, few months ago, um, we suggest the minimum wages level should be adjusted to $46 because we, we uh, have a reference right. on comprehensive social security assistance um, for two-person family. But, but uh, uh, of course, we understand that there's a gap between the labor sector expectation and the final decision of the government, and, right. but we will still listen to opinion of the trade union. Mr. Kwok? You're uh, on the line and you're from the Federation of Hong Kong Industries. What do you make of this $40? Um, the $40 is only increased by 6.7%. Uh, uh, and over the four years, so we respect the decision and understand the government concerned and to have the grassroots uh, workers in tackling uh, the inflation. Yeah, what, what do you make, make of the counter-proposal that... It, should be 46. Uh, if you put up to 46, I don't believe that would be a fair wages now uh, and, uh, at, at the market because it will have a cost push to all the um, um, uh, uh, community at large, uh, such as a high inflation. Um, so we, we have to um, more um, uh, safer to consider whether is a reasonable uh, increase to 48, right. what, 46. Yeah, because the, 46 already very close to the average, um, uh, the wages. Mm -hmm. What sort of workers are getting the minimum wage at the moment? What sort of uh, occupation? Now, yeah, now is that um, that would be um, cleaners, uh, 
like the cleaner and um, the, um, the management uh, house uh, housing management staff uh, are having this such uh, lower minimum wage, and also some in the food and beverage service yeah. uh, at, um, at the Chinese restaurants. The, the, that's the most are uh, getting the uh, minimum wages. Right. But you mentioned cleaners there. During yeah. the COVID pandemic, we relied yeah. on cleaners, didn't we, to, to save us? Yes, of course. I understand that the, the government had um, put up some extra um, a, a bonus to those that are working the cleaning work on the streets. But on the private market, it's not the same. You understand that I because understand. the private market in the house management, they still need to clean uh, daily. Got it. Okay. Uh, we got also Rita Lee, an associate professor of the Hong Kong Shuyan University Department of Economics with us. Uh, professor Lee, good morning. Morning. Um, I always hear and I always read in these debates when they, things come out that if we push the minimum wage up, we're going to raise unemployment. People are going to lose their jobs. How, how strong is that linkage? Well, uh, actually, the, uh, the, the problem that we, uh, that we always mentioned in the minimum wage is a kind of like the on effect. So if the employers need to raise, uh, to raise the minimum wage that they have to pay for, uh, then uh, that most likely we will not only pay the minimum pay. So uh, all the level will be increased accordingly. So that, uh, that means that the, the, the employees will actually leave for a better job. And then I say, for instance, in the case of like, uh, this time, where the government official that they estimate uh, if the rates has been set as like $44, you know, $40, for example, so that will be like around uh, uh, 19,800 workers that they will lose their job. And then we push the unemployment rate by 0.54%. So uh, on the other hand, so if we set, uh, uh, for example, at the age of uh, at the wage of uh, 40, for example, it is expected to benefit uh, $87,000 workers who made less than uh, $40 an hour. And then uh, uh, what we ex what we see, however, actually, if we observe, for example, restaurants' uh, uh, salary, for example. Uh, what, what you may have observed is that, number one, there are a lot of like, waiters and waitresses that they may earn like $80, and even $80 at restaurants cannot find anybody in some of the restaurants. Uh, and, then, um, uh, and then we may also observe that those who are washing the dishes in the restaurant, that the rate uh, is now uh, $70 at least. So uh, uh, we would expect that even though there is, like, uh, there, there is some kind of effect, but then the effect is not very large for this time. Because uh, many of the sectors, uh, no matter it's like washing dishes or like waiter waitress, they are well above uh, that uh, sort of like $40. And those who are affected may be like, for example, those who are at the age of the 70 years old, and then they are still working for like property management. And then uh, uh, we did have got uh, an interview that, we, that, that was uh, below $40. Uh, but then that will be like very minimum, uh, very, very small amount of workers that are affected. Because actually, uh, if they move around the city, uh, they may actually find some of the jobs that is like more than more than that amount of the uh, for the money. Even for like washing dishes, that they are a lot much more higher. Yes, there were stories about dishwashers. Uh, restaurants couldn't get them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the restaurants uh, uh, that we have heard from those like uh, from those restaurants, they are actually very crazy to find uh, to find the employees. They find uh, they find it's very difficult. So they actually they post it. Uh, for example, the one that I've mentioned uh, is something that I've seen in the Changquan Old South restaurant, and then it posts it for a very long time. And then even those waiters and waitresses, they they just found it's very difficult to find somebody to to to. Uh, to uh, uh, to uh, add in, and then um, and then this is the uh, citywide problem. So this is not just one or two restaurants that face a similar problem. Yes, and let's put this point point about uh, the labour shortage to uh, to Jimmy Kwok uh, uh, from the Federation of Hong Kong Industries, um, Mr. Kwok. If um, they, as we were hearing just now, and we've all seen, there's already a labour shortage in many sectors. So. It doesn't really matter if you raise the minimum minimum wage and if you raise it higher, because most people, most people, or you, the market's already requiring you to pay even more. Um, that's a shortage of the, the workers. That's true in all over Hong Kong, uh, whatever many business sectors. But uh, you, sorry, we're losing you, Mister Kwok. Dollars. Uh, it won't. It won't be that. Issues because um, the forty dollars is as as some so over. Uh Okay, I think uh, we're, we're losing Jimmy Kwok. Maybe we'll try and call Jimmy Kwok back on another line. Um, uh, but let, let's go. Let's go back to uh, Lam Chung Shing from the Federation of Hong Kong and Kowloon uh, Labour Unions on this point of uh, the labour shortage. I mean, if, if when you're a unionist, if you're, it's uh, that's a great position for your members. If there's a labour shortage, right? So you you shouldn't have to worry so much about uh, exactly what what level the minimum wage is set, Mr. Lam. Um, of course, um, um, the labor shortage is another problem, and that we we have the uh, mechanism to uh, uh, focus on the labor shortage issues. For example, the labor supplementary scheme from labor department. But uh, we understand that the minimum wages commission uh, uh, consider the balance between. Uh, improving the salary of the grassroots worker and the reduce of the low-paid job. But now, um, the government relaxed the social distancing measure and pandemic situation becomes stable and employers from um, different industry recruit more people to operate their business and more job vacancies. So I think increase in minimum wages level will not uh, reduce the job vacancy. And, and I also... I'd like to add a point that, of course, we understand that the concern of the employer, and in fact, they they face many difficulties under the pandemic situation. But when you look at the information of the minimum wages commission, if the minimum wages level adjusted to forty dollar, the total salary expenditure increase only by zero point two percent for the low pay sector, and for other industries. There's almost no impact because it only focuses on protecting the grassroots worker. And as uh, Jimmy Cork uh, said that uh, for the low-pay sector, uh, the cleaning workers, security guard, and their contractor make the tender and bid for the government service. And the salary increase will be included in the tender and have government resources. So I think most of the company can afford it, and so we believe that there is still uh, some uh, room to uh, raise the minimum wages level. Do we know the minimum wage in other comparable locations in Asia? 
the only one I can think of is not in Asia, is the United States, because there's a big debate there. I think legally it's seven US well, dollars let, or something, let, and there's let, a lot of movements to make it 15. Uh, let's go, let's go to, back to uh, Rita Lee from, uh, from Xi'an's uh, Department of Economics and Finance. Uh, can you give us any sort of comparative perspective on how minimum wage in Hong Kong compares with, with other, other economies? Well, uh, if we talk about, like, for example, Florida, uh, Florida has just uh, increased the minimum wage uh, to eleven dollars U.S. dollars uh, in uh, September on the on the thirtieth of September, twenty twenty-two. More than a hundred Hong Kong, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then it will also further increase to twelve in twenty twenty-three. Yeah. Uh, that is the figure for the Florida. And then, uh, so that um, actually for the case of Hong Kong, uh, is it really that, uh, is it, is it really that high uh, for the minimum wage? No. Uh, but then uh, if we talk about the, uh, uh, if we talk about the other, uh, other places, uh, of course we have got, we have got quite uh, diverse in terms of the wages. So if we talk about like, uh, uh, like for example, Japan, there's like, uh, uh, 930 yen per hour, and then uh, in case of like, for example, uh, South Korea, uh, there is like 9,160 uh, KLW per hour, and then uh, so that um, well, for the case of Hong Kong, I would just say that this uh, increment is uh, is sensible uh, because it can, uh, to some extent, it can protect those who are like who will not work for a very low wage. But at the same time, what we, what we have observed is that, well, most of the salary that we have seen uh, for whatever uh, blue collar works, uh, no matter it's a restaurant or whatever, that is high, more than, it must be more than like $40 in most of the circumstances. So uh, I think the, min, uh, the, the, the impact on like, for example, due to the unemployment rate is like, uh, a lot. Uh, this is not a lot. And then uh, at the same time, we can protect them. So uh, the most important thing is that because of the fact that now the business sector is facing uh, a huge increase uh, uh, in electricity bill, so in one restaurant they may have uh, an increment of like $30,000 $30, per month just because of electricity bill. Okay. Uh, not to mention other like food and also other prices, that other costs that, that they are rising. Okay, so, let's, yeah, but let's go back to uh, Jimmy Kwok. Jimmy Kwok is, is yeah. back with us on, on, on that point of, of business costs, that uh, maybe uh, increased labour costs is not your biggest problem right now. Um, I, I think now it's shortage of workers. Shortage if of workers, quit, yeah. if, uh, That is a no um, uh, workers' um, uh, services in your business sectors. Uh, and, and also the cross-border um, is now have a silver lining. Um, you have to prepare um, the, the workers and uh, your uh, your businesses. So um, there's no doubt you have to pay high high prices uh, to recruit the the, the soft and from the market. So, but the the market now is shortage, and also it's an aging problem in Hong Kong. So if you have that, if you have to yeah. pay a higher price than the minimum yeah. wage anyway, you sh you shouldn't yeah. worry if the minimum wage is fifty or even sixty dollars because you're you're having to because of the shortage you're having to pay a higher price anyway. Yeah, yeah, that that is a, a, a reasonable. If you that get a shortage, if you keep on doing your business, you have to pay higher prices to, uh, to recruit the workers. So and the the, the market is it is still shortage. If we will reluctant this situation so it make a high inflation rate on on all the sectors uh, in the community
So, That's uh, what we are worried. So why is the business sector uh, concerned, uh, say that they don't think it's a good idea to raise the minimum wage even higher? Uh, because you're paying these higher wages anyway. So what, why are you concerned? You say this increase in the minimum wage is okay, but you, you, you don't think it should rise to 46 or 50. But you're, you're paying that anyway because of the labour shortage. Yes. Uh, uh, in, in fact, that, um, the, taking the minimum wages, um, the workers are very uh, minimal. Uh, in the last years, it's only 0.5%. So... It won't be a, um, a difficulty to uh, the employer uh, because, in fact, it's, it's uh, only 40,000 uh, workers in, in, in having the minimum wages. And now you wage to $40, but still has about uh, 2, uh, 2 to 2.5% of the total uh, uh, worker, work, work employers, uh, employees um, in, uh, in, the, in the market. So it, it would be the, the uh, saying, if you take consideration on the figures uh, from uh, year 2017, the report was, was about 2 to 2.5%. And today, uh, we raise up to 40. Uh, we will have the very similar uh, situations. And after four years, it will be dropping the minimum wages, um, the employees, uh, would be only 20% in last four years as, as, a pressure, as, as, as now. So we, we, we will see into, uh, to next year, uh, by May, is starting the, the new $40. It would have go back the same situation after four years, and maybe uh, getting the minimum wages at 40 will dropping to uh, 25%. Let, let, so, let, yes, so, so let, let's ask Lam Chung Shing then, um, um, representing the unionists. Uh, are, are we spe- worrying t- or too much about the minimum wage level then? Because what we're hearing is actually v- most workers, are get- because of a labour shortage, most workers are getting paid more, far more than the minimum wage and very few workers are earning the minimum wage, Lam Chung Shing. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, we understand that the situation because of... Uh, uh, the labor shortage in some industry, and the employer will pay more to attract the labor and, and recruit the labor. And so, and, and I think the minimum wages level target is to protect the grassroots worker. And if the minimum wages level is adjusted to $40, there's around 73,000 uh, workers can have a salary increase. That means only 2% of the total working population. Um, but in 2011, uh, the first minimum wages level uh, uh, is uh, 28. And at that time, near 300,000 workers uh, have a salary increase. It can protect nearly 10% of the working population and the lowest 10% of the grassroots worker. So uh, uh, we worry that the protection effect of the minimum wages reduced. And, and another point that I want to add is that uh, the minimum wages level only to protect the grassroots worker. Maybe for the workers who earn uh, $41 or $42 per hour may have some impact. They, uh, the employer will also increase their salary. But I think for most of the worker, 
uh, especially for the workers who can earn a higher salary, will not be affected because their employer will only consider uh, their working population and the profit of the company and other factors to decide the salary adjustment in, instead of minimum wages level increase. Yeah, the message I'm getting here is that it's the state of the economy that's a bigger factor than minimum wage legislation. If the economy is doing well, employers have to pay more to get to get staff to to do the business. Uh, Lam Chung Shing, can we say the minimum wage has already served its original purpose? You're saying that uh, uh, the number of people who get the minimum wage is much smaller than before. It served the purpose of protecting the grassroots. Um, yeah, so I think uh, the, the main problem is that uh, I think in this situation, I think the, the, the main problem is that uh, um, uh, uh, the government froze the minimum wages uh, two years ago, and, and if you just uh, increase it to forty dollars, it it can catch up the inflation rate of the past two years. But I think it's difficult for the grassroots worker to recover the past four years. I think uh, that's the main problem in uh, in the existing situation. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we are going to have to break for the news there, and we're going to say goodbye to uh, Lam Chung-Shing. Lam Chung-Shing, who you just heard just now, is a lawmaker from the Federation of Hong Kong and Kowloon uh, Unions. We're also going to say goodbye to uh, Jimmy Kwok. Jimmy Kwok, uh, the honorary chair of the Federation of Hong Kong Industries. But uh, stay with us. Uh, Rita Lee, uh, Associate Professor of the Hong Kong Shuyan University Department of Economics and Finance, will be with us after the news. We're also expecting to be joined by Silai Shan, the Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization. Organizations. Uh, later on, we're also going to be talking about a new study on liver cancer patients. If you have any thoughts on any of those issues and some comments coming on a minimum wage, we'll get to you after the news. So do email us at backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. The weather forecast mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches. Temperature will rise to 21 degrees, but currently 19 degrees, relative humidity 85%. Like that ever again. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back to Backchat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is Mike Rouse. In the second half of the show, we're going to be continuing our discussions about uh, the increase in the uh, minimum wage. Uh, it's been uh, recommended that the minimum wage rise to uh, $40 an hour after a uh, four-year freeze. Our guests, as we continue the discussion, uh, Rita Lee, Associate Professor at Hong Kong Shu University of Department of Economics and Finance, and Si uh, Lai Shan, Si Lai Shan, Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organizations. Uh, later on, we're going to be looking at a new study on uh, treatment for liver cancer patients, which has been announced by uh, local uh, medical um, uh, professor, professionals. If you've got any comments on either topic, uh, do email us at backchatterrthk.hk, or you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. A couple of comments coming in on our Facebook page. Um, on, very similar vein in terms of the minimum wage in Hong Kong. Marcus says the uh, minimum wage has not gone up for four years. Absolutely disgusting. Is it Asia's lowest for a world-class city? And Richard says it's an absolute uh, joke. Is this another one of John Lee's good Hong Kong stories? Uh, Mike, you favour a fairly hefty increase in the minimum wage as well. Yes, when I was a candidate in the uh, LegCo election a year ago, a little over a year ago, I specifically said on the record, $50 in stages. Um, over the next two to three years, i.e. 40, 45, 50, ramp it up. 
uh, to to fifty. I I was very proud of the proposal. Which is, so you which got co- a rough time from the business <laughs> sector, right? Uh, the Employers Federation <laughs> held my feet to the fire. Yeah, when I went in front of them, um, they said, "Don't be too uh, militant on this. You know, do it." Well, listen, I think listen we, we, we've got a guest who I think has also advocated a $50 an hour minimum wage. Is that right? Uh, Silai Shan uh, from uh, Deputy Director for the Society of Community Organisations. Uh, good morning. Is it correct that SOCO thinks the minimum wage should be $50 an hour? Uh, I, we're disappointed with it, uh, $50 because uh, it's Or you're disappointed uh, with the $40, I think, right? You, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you want something like $50. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, um, you'll be counting in the past uh, 12 years uh, accumulate at uh, uh, CBI evasion is very high. Um, um, the CBI is accumulate uh, 39.7%, and if CBIA is uh, around 46%, so you'll be counting this deducted uh, discount evasion. Actually, the real uh, wage is uh, not 40, is around 24. 27.4 actually even lower than the, the first year uh, minimum wage 28. Right. Yeah. So according to your calculations using the inflation data, what mm. should the, the minimum wage per hour be now? Uh, we, we, we suggest at least there should be 50 dollars a week. Actually now actually there's no any uh, 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 really a scientific uh, uh, or reasonable uh, calculation about the uh, wage. Uh, and mm. actually the, the committee, they just uh, close the door and then they discuss and then they probably have a compromise uh, uh, level. And uh, so um, they should be have a uh, research on uh, um, what kind of level of wage that the um, worker they can uh, have a decent living. And actually, Osman, they have a uh, survey on that. A, a few years ago, they already suggest it's the uh, living wage is uh, around 54.7 dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of, uh, according to the government, uh, um, they have a low-income low working skill, uh, working subsidy allowance. Um, for one person, you can't eat uh, working hour um, around 50 dollars. They can get a subsidy from the government. So we suggest at least they should have uh, 50 dollars. What do you think of the uh, point that some people claim if you put up the minimum wage too quickly, that some people will lose their jobs altogether? Uh, I don't think so, because now there's a shortage of uh, labor. And I think the cost for the employer, the, the most high, uh, is not the cost of worker, it's the rent. And, and also the uh, the process of materials because of the COVID nineteen, and this this the, the the more expensive cost for the employer. Well, we have a um, academic from this area still with us, Rita Lee from the Hong Kong Shuyan's Department of Economics and Finance. So let's put that point to Rita Lee. When we talk about employment costs uh, these days, um, how how important are labour costs? Well, labour costs actually is one of the. Uh, most, uh, uh, one of the highest uh, expenditure among all. So in Hong Kong, uh, if we talk about running a business, uh, number one is actually rent. But rent has dropped a lot uh, ever since the COVID. And then uh, we have also observed that they uh, actually even for the uh, for the labor. However, for the labor course, we will see that actually uh, it is quite still quite high. 
and then uh, for the uh, uh, for the uh, for most of the businesses that we have seen is that uh, quite a number of them they 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 find they find that they cannot hire any anyone even if the wage they believe they believe to be high. But how about the suggestion that electricity costs and things like that are becoming a more important component of business costs these days? Oh. Well, uh, actually, for the uh, for the uh, for the cost of the labour, uh, sorry, pardon. Can you repeat? Your sorry, question? how about the suggestion that uh, things like electricity costs and so on are becoming a more important uh, cost for businesses now? Well, uh, actually, electricity cost is also one of the main costs. But then, uh, if we try to compare to the labour cost, uh, that is far less than that. Because if we talk about the increment uh, in recent uh, in recent uh, few days, for example, so that is like thirty thousand dollars for one restaurant, for example. And then, however, if we talk about the labor cost, uh, to be fair, Frank, maybe uh, one labor, maybe just like thirty thousand dollars already. So, uh, and another thing for which we, we we have observed is that actually, for the uh, for for example, if the labor cost is too high, actually, it will not be able to protect those blue collar. The main reason is that you can see many restaurants they have already replaced it by using robot. So uh, no matter what kind of the like, Chinese restaurant or like uh, a Western restaurant, you can see that they uh, they may either use a robot to 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 transfer the food uh, around the uh, around the uh, restaurant, or they may actually use a food truck just like a Japanese restaurant. So uh, it means that if we uh, if the cost of the labor is uh, getting higher and higher, well there are a lot of the other means that we try to replace them, including for example when we order the food in the past we usually find a, a call the retail waitress, but now what we we can see is that way they they most likely they would just uh, tell you that well please use your app, <laughs> no matter if it's a Chinese restaurant or like a Japanese restaurant. So ultimately uh, we have to strike a balance between. Uh, the cost uh, of the of the labor, and so as like uh, we we have to consider other potential uh, substitute, like for right. example, robot of a track. You yeah. ra you raised an important point there. I mean, and Hong Kong is actually quite slow in that. You travel overseas for a long time. You you got go into uh, supermarkets. The the checkout counts counters are electronic, and that's only just beginning to start in Hong Kong right. in the last year or two. Uh, how serious is the threat to the sort of unskilled workforce in in Hong Kong in the coming year from the, the, that that kind of automation? Well, fairly serious. I would just say that because in Australia many years ago, uh, many years ago, by the time I was there in 2014. And then uh, actually most of the most of the supermarkets they have already got like the machine for like payment etc. And what we have seen is that McDonald's, for example, they have actually used uh, the pay uh, the uh, uh, the payment machine as well. So uh, actually most of the uh, that uh, this kind of automation is changing our our labor market. And then to some extent they are reliable. And then uh, if we talk about electricity, we just actually need to pay the electricity, and the cost of robot can be very. Uh, very low a minimum, like for example, just uh, maybe several thousand dollars, three thousand dollars for one robot. So if you try to compare like uh, a labor, for example, if we talk about like eighty dollars, eighty dollars per per hour, well, that is so. I mean, there is such a large discrepancy. So actually, what we have seen is that well, uh, well, we have to take this into consideration very seriously, as otherwise we will scare all the uh, all the uh, all the employers to try to use this sort of automation to replace them. Um, one of the points the Employers' Federation put to me uh, when they were querying my proposal for $50 an hour was that it does a, when you set a minimum, you've got to understand that in an employment situation, other people want, still want their higher skill bonus. So that if you're paying your waiter or the 
dishwasher 40, the, the under chef will want 45 or 50, and the, and the top chef will want 60 and so on. I, I just put, plucking those numbers from the air to illustrate the principle. Therefore, other people will get benefit from an increase in the minimum wage. Is that, is that a valid point? Uh, we will just say that, well, if there is a step-by-step increment, uh, if there's a step-by-step increment, for example, in the past, when we talk about construction sites, most likely we hire the workers to like, lay some bricks, right? But what we have observed is that laying bricks can be replaced by a machine, which is like, uh, uh, to certain extent, is much more accurate. And then uh, we also avoid the problem of like, uh, construction accidents. And then we can also uh, use sort of like much more cheaper source. So that uh, actually for the uh, escalation uh, pro- uh, problem, that is a lot only fact that I mentioned earlier today, uh, it does happen. And then uh, the, the, the workers, we just said, that, well, uh, for example, the one who nearby is, is like increase to, increase to like uh, $50. So for my salary, it should be like $60. So after all, then the, then the, uh, then the employee will consider, well, should I use other, may, maybe ro- not just robot, it can be the like LPA. Uh, or other software to help it, to help us to do some uh, something. For example, uh, in the past we tried to use a, a surveyor to inspect the building structure, building facade. But actually, what I can tell you is that many of them, uh, many of the companies have already uh, also used like uh, those like uh, drones, and then uh, with those uh, AI stuff to in order to inspect the whole building, which is like faster, quicker, and then uh, that drone it does not cost a lot. And then, uh, so that it means that it will just push them to like uh, use more uh, advanced techniques, uh, those like AI stuff, uh, maybe software. It may not be just like robot; it can be like software to help yeah. us to do a lot of things. Uh, let, let's ask, CMA Shan, do you have any thoughts on this topic? That maybe the threat to your members that automation will mean that the jobs that the sort of less skilled jobs that some some members do will just disappear. Uh, yeah, some of the, the, the web codes, uh, and then, uh, actually some of, uh, they, even they go back to work, but the, the pay is lower, and then the working hours is still, uh, less than before, and so, uh, even there's, uh, I think it, now the market is very strange. Some of them, they, they said they think they can still have worker, and then some of them, they, actually, they, they did not give enough, uh, uh working hour for them, and the uh, wages cut the uh, some of them actually they work and then uh, suddenly close. Them. Which so, which areas which areas of employment is the particular uh, problem? Restaurant, I think restaurant is most unstable, and uh, this is uh, 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 they don't. And then besides, of course, some sometimes concessions concession work and then they finish the work and then no more job and uh, this kind of work. But like construction workers always for renovation. This kind of thing, yeah. yeah. Construction work has always been unsteady like that, and we have many construction projects coming in the coming years. So uh, surely, mm. the for the for I hope the, they will be good, better. Yes, and for the restaurants, we've been hearing about a shortage of restaurant workers. But you're saying there are some sectors in the restaurant industry still where uh, you you know people who are losing jobs and it's unsteady. Other sector because before the restaurant there is too. Uh, 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 to feel a job and to feel working hour. And besides, even some of them now, they employ the new uh, employee. Actually, they, they did not have uh, give uh, uh, full-time work. So some of them, they changed to 
food hamper, they don't want to come back. And the, the people who are on minimum wage now, normally what sector are they mostly in? Um, not, you mean people yeah. don't know how to pay the um, minimum wage? Most yeah. of them, they are China or security card in a, a single building. Okay, and so for and for cleaners and for security guards, that's not an area where there's a or security guards. There is a labour shortage. We always hear about uh, buildings having difficulty to hire security guards because the the payment is too too high. The the, the wage is too low. But then normally the wage. In fact, I I know of many cases where buildings ha have had to increase their wages to get workers. Workers leave for other buildings. Mm. And of course, um, not everyone goes to tender for everything. So. Um, you, you have got the situation that, that Danny was referring to. If if people are can't be found to do the job, and in, in in cleaners and maybe security guards, the opportunity for technology to take part of the load is more limited. Um, maybe the, the people just have to pay more and put up, for example, the management fee in, in the block where you live. Well, that's been happening a lot. A lot of management fees in Hong Kong have increased to, uh, since yeah. the minimum wage. So, uh, situation? Sorry? Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe we, we just, uh, to uh, to finish off, uh, let's just go back to uh, Rita, Rita Lee. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I want to add a point. She yeah, was sure. like uh, the security guard issue and so as a cleaning issue. What we have to observe is that the shopping mall. I guess that most of us have seen that. The shopping mall has already used the, the cleaning machine, the robot to clean for us. It's like during the COVID. And then uh, if we talk about security guard, does it mean that there is no place to replace it? No, because actually the AI can be able to detect whether or not they are resident or they are not resident actually. It's only because uh, most of the people that we are, we are aware of the privacy issue that it cannot be like become popular. But if we talk about if the rages is so high, then uh, that may be uh, kind of the opportunity in some of the in, in some of the some kind of the property where they try to use like uh, uh, the AI for like uh, uh, security issue. So this is possible, and so as a single tier building. So uh, as far as like one of the uh, one of the property management company uh, boards that I know, what he said is that he has already tried to like uh, uh, try to develop a lot of like AI stuff for those a single tier building because uh, the property owners cannot pay for so much like high fee for for labor to 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 do the property management, and then a lot of them they are just sleeping in the in, at night. So why not they 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 try to hire uh, those like, AI to work for that. So and then the AI can actually tell us immediately whether or not there is like one or two uh, building units that have got problem, and then in, and then call the center uh, uh, immediately. So that's all sort of thing that uh, it may be even much more better in the nighttime as well. But it is only because the people here now still trust that if the if the uh, if the watchman is there, uh, we can still wake up him and then find him hope for help. That is the issue what we have what we have faced. But then uh, if the rate is set too high, it is not beneficial to this group of people as well. Rita Lee, you're painting a very depressing picture of the future for blue-collar workers in, in Hong Kong, actually, and uh, maybe a subject for another back chat, talking about what, what jobs are going to be replaced by automation in Hong Kong and the long-term effects of that. The, for today, we'll, we'll, we'll draw the discussion to a close. Uh, thank you very much. You just heard uh, uh, Rita Lee, Associate Professor at Hong Kong Xu Yan's University's Department of Economics and Finance, and also our thanks to uh, Si Lai Shan, Si Lai Shan, the uh, Deputy Director of the Society for Community Organization. Uh, moving on, a uh, ground making announcement uh, by a Hong Kong U uh, Medical uh, School uh, about a new treatment for advanced uh, liver cancer. The issue here being that uh, 
there are many, many cases of liver cancer which are currently inoperable, but uh, the team say that they have found, found a way actually to, 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 uh, to work on many of them. Uh, it's called a trimodal, reduce and move. A trimodality therapy. I won't try and pronounce all the different types of treatment that are involved in trimodality. Instead, I introduce uh, the uh, leader of the team, uh, Professor Albert Chan, a clinical professor at the Department of Surgery at the School of uh, Medicine at uh, Lee Lee Ka-shing Faculty of Medicine in uh, the University of Hong Kong. Uh, Good morning, Professor Chan. Morning. Uh, Perhaps you'd like to tell us why this, uh, this, this new treatment is so important. Yes, indeed. Um, I think the main reason behind this project is basically we know that uh, the treatment, the current treatment for inoperable liver cancer is actually quite disappointing. So only about 10% of these patients, they can achieve cure. And what I mean by cure is actually using local regional uh, chemotherapy or kind of uh, oral systemic uh, uh, target agents or immunotherapy. So we try to improve the results because we know that all these years, if the liver cancer can be operated, then the outcome will be the best. So the, the strategy is to, we try to shrink tumors into a smaller size so that it makes it easier for us to do the operation. And by doing that, we use a trimodal therapy. That means three different types of treatment. So the first one to kickstart with is actually a local regional chemotherapy that helps to stain the tumors on the scan. And after that, we apply radiation and with radiation, one week of radiation, followed by that, we'll give the immunotherapy. And the reason why we give the immunotherapy is basically we're combining the use of radiation that kills the tumor cells, and then we stimulate the patient's immune system to attack the residual uh, tumor cells, to eradicate all the residual tumor cells. And that, in our experience, could lead to a, sh- a significant uh, shrinkage of the tumor size. How, can I ask, Professor, um, how significant are transplants? Of, of, of liver in yeah, the well, overall treatment? Yes, well, I think uh, in the current project, we are looking for shrinking the tumours into operable cancer. Now, right. the next step is basically we're looking at uh, patients with uh, poor liver function and also in very advanced cancer. And if we can apply the same approach to shrink the tumours, then we could consider these patients for liver transplantation. That would uh, deal with the tumours as well as uh, treating the bad liver function. So with a new liver, patient basically will get a normal back day liver function again. Uh, how common is liver cancer in Hong Kong, and how how does it rank against other cancers like breast yeah, cancer? Well, so? well, indeed, yes. Um, Global-wise, it you know it's basically is the uh, third, fourth most common cancer, and we are seeing over nine hundred thousand new cases per year in the world. And in Hong Kong, it's ranked the fifth most common cancer with over 1,800 new cases per year. So there's actually a huge demand to look at ways to improve the outcomes of inoperable cancer. And with this treatment approach, we are estimating that about 400 to 600 patients will be eligible uh, to consider this treatment approach. But that's quite modest, actually. I mean, you're saying there's 8,000 cases a year, and I think you were saying normally only about uh, 30% are eligible for that's curative right. treatment. So actually, yes. you're potentially talking about, uh, you have to scale up, you're potentially talking about thousands of cases where you would hope to be able to use this new treatment. Yes, that's right. Well, yes, we're a little bit uh, conservative in our estimation. So roughly, because there are other factors that would exclude patients from uh, surgery, uh, such as age, uh, other medical illness. So we, we estimate that roughly, uh, safe to say that about 400 to 500 patients may be, may be able to benefit from this approach. Yeah. A few years ago, I became aware of a 
company that was trying to um, sell an artificial liver and bring yeah. that into the treatment. Have there been any developments on that? Yeah, well, I think bio-artificial liver, it's one of the uh, key research areas, especially in the field of liver transplantation, because we know that uh, there's always an organ shortage. And we always look at, you know, there's huge demand for uh, a new liver. And uh, to get around this, you know, to relieve the demand, is basically to create, to build a liver in the lab and then put it in the, in the patient. I think right now the um, it's still the progress is still ongoing, but I think the experience is so far limited to animal studies. So we're still a bit, you know, few years uh, behind before we could even consider to apply this in humans. Now, as far as I understand it, the basic uh, uh, the basic strategy behind your your new treatment is to to, uh, to shrink uh, cancer, mm. cancers which are too large for yeah. for operation at the moment and. Uh, <laughs> You've come up with this very successful way of doing it for, or for, for, for liver cancer, but presumably the same principle could also be applied to other types of cancer going forward. Whether the cancer exactly, that's a very good point. In fact, I think it's been um, there's been some limited experience in lung cancer, and uh, probably also in uh, kidney cancer. A similar technique could be applied in the future. That's right. So you would hope that this is sort of uh, paving the way for sim similar treatment. Have similar, have similar treatments been tried overseas in other countries? Um, yes, lung cancer. But I think you're right that, you know, the future we're looking at the combination uh, treatment strategy, especially with the use of, uh, with the development of immunotherapy, uh, that is actually a very uh, a breakthrough in cancer treatment because what we're do trying to do is combining radiation and using the patient's immune system, we try to give the immunotherapy to boost the immune system to recognize the cancer cells and then remove it. And I know this is a bit beyond your study, but you're, you're an expert in the area. There have been lots of listeners, like so many of us, worry about catching cancer here. Are, are, are we going to see cures for cancer in our lifetime? Is, is, <laughs> is science re really yes. reaching? Uh, well, in, in fact, there's been a few exciting areas in cancer treatment, especially now. Uh, with the COVID uh, vaccinations, that actually is a leap uh, frog with the development. And we are actually looking forward to see the development of tumor vaccines. Uh, I think that is going to be another breakthrough. And I, I do believe that I think in, 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 in our lifetime, uh, likely that we will be able to see uh, cure at least for some sort of cancer. Right. So this mRNA uh, technology could, mm. could apply to these areas as well? Exactly. I think the mRNA vaccine is actually a breakthrough uh, because of the COVID. Uh, everything, all the developments in, in the past, if you want to develop a vaccine and put it into clinical application, that would take a decade. As we all know that with this COVID uh, epidemic, uh, everything was sped up. And, and with the mRNA technology, there's been companies looking to apply this into developing tumor vaccines. Right. And we anticipate that that's going to be a huge breakthrough, especially in, in treating some sort of uh, uh, cancer that is very prone to be treated by immunotherapy. But when, we, when we say vaccinations or only layman and for COVID, we think about the vaccination is to stop you catching or before you catch exactly. the disease. But yes. here you seem to be talking about using vaccination for can mRNA vaccination to treat tumours that already exist. It's not about... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so in the future, we are looking at the... Uh, for those who have actually advanced cancer, uh, the possible ways is actually, the two possible ways is to get a vaccination. Once you inject that, uh, the vaccines, the patient's immune system can start to recognize the, the cancer cells inside the body 
and the immune system can take care of that and remove all the entire cancer cells. The other way to, to look at that is to get a sample of the, of the, of the cancer cells and then develop a customized, personalized vaccination and then inject that back to the patients. And because the vaccinations can recognize now the tumor cells, that also the immune system potentially can remove all the cancer. So that is kind of the, the future direction. So, so we help the body to fix itself? That, exactly. I think that, I mean, if, if basically the most effective way is to let your immune system to recognize that the cancer is something foreign in the body. And with that, your immune system will be very efficiently able to take care of that. And it's actually that that is one of the functions of the immune system because this is actually your immune system is providing a surveillance to any sorts of uh, foreign body virus infections inside your body. Once they recognize that, they would, you know, attack the, 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 the foreign particles. And we are using this philosophy and apply that in cancer. Okay. And so this is what we're trying to do in, in the future. Okay, that's a very cheerful note to end on. Uh, f- thank you very much, uh, Professor Albert Chan, the clinical professor at the Department of Surgery School of um, Clinical Medicine at the Lee Ka-shing Faculty of Medicine at the University of Hong Kong. He's talking about uh, their new treatment for liver cancer, but also you heard just there towards the end talking about more generally dev- breakthroughs in uh, in cancer treatment that maybe we really will see cures to uh, cancer coming in the, in the coming year. Yeah. Well, that is a cheerful note. <laughs> that I'm is a cheerful note to end. Uh, okay, uh, the weather forecast is going to be uh, mainly cloudy with one or two rain patches. Uh, the maximum temperature will be around 21 degrees, but it's currently 18 degrees, uh, relative humidity 88%. Thank you very much, um, um, Mike, and to our produ- producer, Yuki, and Backchat will be back tomorrow. The village representative election and Kaifong representative election are approaching. Candidates, election helpers, and voters should observe the law. It is an offense if any person offers advantages, food, drink, or entertainment to induce votes for any particular candidate. Any person who accepts will also be guilty. Abide by the law. Support clean elections. ICAC Report Hotline 25266366. The news with Barry O'Rourke. The express rail link between Hong Kong and the mainland resumes operations on Sunday after a three-year break during the pandemic when cross-border travel was largely suspended. It will feature a new service and cover more stations in Guangdong. The United States